Welcome to the Xterra Podcast. I'm Tom Patton. The Xterra mission is to explore and discuss the business of space and its effect on the national and global economy as well as life on Earth. How does what happens in space affect your life every day? That's what we're exploring on the Xterra website as well as on this podcast. pleased to welcome back Simon Drake to the Xterra podcast. Simon is president and CEO of the Space Commodities Exchange and the founder of Space Ventures Investors. Simon, welcome back to the Xterra podcast. Tom, it's great to be back. Talk to us about what is Space Ventures Investors and what does it specialize in? Space Ventures Investors uh, specializes in right now attracting capital from retail investors and high net worth investors in order to build out what we call the strategic space value chain. So we attract capital, then we allocate that capital to um, pre-seed startups that, mm-hmm. uh, or, or seed level startups that are overlooked by venture funds and um, funds in general, um, or even overlooked by angel investors. Um, and we can also invest sometimes in, say, an equity crowdfunding of a space company. Mm-hmm. So, for example, recently, Orbital, Orbital Assembly. Mm-hmm. Um, or we might invest in shares in a particular company that that fulfills a niche market in the space sector. For example, um, a company like GOM Space, which makes small satellites. Right. What is a, a pre-seed company? What, what does that term mean? It means that a company is just starting out and the founders have, uh, you know, banged together a concept or have been working on a minimal viable product and they are not uh, mature enough to be on the radar of a large fund. So they haven't gone about seed funding, but they kind of need that shot in the arm um, to give their business concept a bit of life and a bit of validity. So we spend a lot of our time doing the due diligence on pre-seed companies and seed space startups just to make sure that where they are, what they do, it fits into our vision of the strategic space value chain. Now, there seems to be a lot of excitement about investing in space companies right now. Why do you think that is? It's probably because it's it's the right time where you have a intersection of renewed interest in space, mm-hmm. um, more technology coming about, more understanding of the um, opportunity of space. Right. And um, an- another thing is, is that if you separate space from investing and just look at investing, which is a, you know, a topic of its own, we seem to be at a, um, we're going through a cycle where there's a lot more investment going on from what I can tell. Um, and, but like any cycles, you have to watch out that when it changes, um, then you can, can go revisit all your favorite Warren Buffett quotes. about the markets. <laughs> so what does a company need to do to be ready to take on investors? What, what do they, where do they need to be? Uh, in order to take on investors in the space sector, it's very difficult because it's so far removed from, say, a bricks and mortar business proposition. Right. 
or you know a retail business proposition um, because you're dealing with things um, that where the business model might be way out there and dependent on technology still to be developed in different phases from different parties um, so but the good news is that there's a lot of young people and old people as well um, getting involved in sp early stage space companies, trying to piece together all the elements which will make a business model feasible. Uh -huh. um, but some business models are pretty much, you know, we already we have a lot of good data on, for example, Earth observations. So for us, we understand Earth observation very well and therefore can allocate capital to uh, emerging Earth observation startups. Right. Now, SPAC seems to be the most recent buzzword when it comes to space investing. What's a SPAC? Uh, a SPAC is a special purpose acquisition company. Mm -hmm. If that's the acronym, it's correct. Um, I call it the, uh, let's just say, the um, a parallel way of reaching uh, the stock market. Okay. Uh, normally, when a company goes on the stock market, it goes through an IPO procedure, which means it gets vetted at very you know significant stages of its growth, and it means that companies that go through the IPO process and are now then tradable, um, whether all of their shares or part of their shares are tradable. You have this kind of certainty that there's regulation in place. There's a oversight in place as an investment bank or something or other, you know, governing the process and mm -hmm. collecting a fee. All right. With a SPAC, it's more like a, a company is already listed um, and they're looking to acquire something, right. a valuable concept to bring it in and merge. And then this listed entity becomes on a, something different. So you can see that where a SPAC will, uh, well, SPACs will be looking for interesting space technology companies. Right that usually couldn't go the IPO path because they haven't grown enough or their technology is still, you know, at that trial stage. Um, so SPACs are convenient for that purpose, but there is a um, conundrum in that um, there's, I think, five times as many SPACs doing this as there were last year. Right. So there's been a, a massive wave of SPACs coming on doing all, you know, not just space. Right. Um, and they kind of are, you know, the, the belle de jour dish of the day uh, or, the, you know, the, the path of the day to access capital. I think the most recent example we've had in the space industry has been Rocket Lab, which is going public under a SPAC. Uh, but they're a company that you would think might be a little bit more mature. Why do you think a company like Rocket Lab um, would go the SPAC route as opposed to something more traditional? Uh, maybe because they're not mature enough mm -hmm. and the, the SPAC might be the, um, the easiest way to reach the public markets. Now, on the other side of it is it's also about the fees. You know, right. if you are a, you know, a financial services company and you're, and you're involved with a SPAC, of course, you do get, a, I think, a bit, a bit, a more of a better fee offering um, than by taking a company through the normal IPO route. So I think there is a bit of a pressure on, you know, the sexy space companies mm -hmm. that can use a SPAC and they, then they must know that at this stage of the cycle of economics, um, that it kind of like a now or never. Right. 
you know, situation. That, that's what I feel sometimes when I see a lot of these companies, you know, going down the SPAC route and they look at the success of Virgin Galactic. Mm-hmm. Um, they must be saying, all right, we have to do it. We'll, we have to do it now because maybe in, maybe next year the market's, you know, changed or flipped. Right. Or, or maybe next year, you know, um, another space SPAC is still in the limelight or stealing the amount of capital available to go into space SPACs. So it, it is a bit of a competitive environment, and I think it might be a bit of a race to space SPACs to to make their entrance. So it's basically get it while you can, because who knows what's going to happen tomorrow? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, look, look. If if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and right. you know I don't mind being wrong, but that's an observation um, that I feel now. For anyone who wants to invest in them, you know the the game remains the same. Where you have to do your own due diligence right. and understand how that particular space back fits in to the space system, you know, and that quite creates a lot of due diligence. Um, if if someone is a speculator, then um, they're a speculator, and there's you know what are you going to do? Are there other special vehicles that are being used to facilitate investment in space companies besides SPACs? Uh, not that I know of. I do hear of things coming. I do get, you know, the occasional uh, prompt to try like a utility token or a mm-hmm. securities token. But because of the, um, for at this stage, the lack of, um, knowledge about who the investors are behind the tokens mm-hmm. or buying the tokens. It's very hard to use that um, method to raise capital. Uh, other than that, there's usually, uh, you know, the, you, ha- you have the angel investors, um, you have venture capital, um, and then you have tech funds kind of moving in and understanding that space is now part of their, you know, mandate. Right. So there's, 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 there's actually more ways to raise capital now than ever before, which is quite interesting because I think space commerce really needed that boost. And it, to me, it came out of left field with, with SPACs, but um, that's the way that the cookie crumbles. Are there more companies that are looking to put a space company in their portfolio when you look at, at investment companies um, that, that want to put something that might be a little bit more risky in their in their portfolio at the hope of getting a bigger reward? Um, yes, but okay. If, if it's a, a company that usually avoids risk, mm-hmm. then once space companies start shredding that risk profile, then they can start becoming more of a, um, you know, a target or an investment. Mm-hmm. You know, let's let's think of a pension fund. A pension fund is quite conservative. Right. They're not going to be um, pumping money into a um, a rocket company okay. uh, anytime soon. But if that rocket company, you know, has X amount of launches behind it and has a stable business model and stable revenue, that changes the scenario. Right. And I think that that is the the slow, grueling path for a lot of space commerce companies. Is it was always a diff- a difficult task anyway. Um, but it just takes time and experience to overcome those hurdles and de-risk themselves and then therefore attract a different kind of investment. What are some of the various forms of investments a private investor can do with SVI? And what about institutional investors? 
for us, we offer um, a space share because I believed in um, the old-fashioned method where you buy a share in a company and you you are a voter. Uh, but in the last few years, we've seen uh, you know, ETFs um, where you can buy into a fund that right. then manages money and, and has a portfolio. Uh, we've seen equity crowdfunding for space companies, which, uh, you know, you have to read the fine print um, like anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there's also ways you can, you can actually buy into some interesting space equities. Right. So, you know, Virgin Galactic is an easy one. Um, GOM space is a good example. Um, and there's a whole range of growing space stocks, as I call them, or pure space, but you have what I call pure space stocks. Mm-hmm. And then you have aerospace. So an aerospace company might um, have several divisions and one of them is space related. Right. So I found that a lot of the ETFs, they, they kind of like buy or might, they might have a list of say 20 aerospace tech companies and say, oh, we're a space ETF, but they don't actually have that many pure space stocks in their ETF. Right. So for us as a company being quite nimble and um, flexible, we just focus on, okay, let's just focus on space stocks. It's not everything we do and, and we don't want it to be all that we do because our focus is on interesting uh, space startups and, and spinoffs. Um, yeah, so there's more variety these days mm-hmm. than, than there ever was. And hopefully this variety continues to grow because space commerce needs the involvement of, the, um, of all types of investors from the small investor to the institutional. How many more small investors are you seeing? Are you seeing a lot of, of individual investors, the the guys who'll go on Robinhood or whatever it is that, that want to do their own trading, getting involved in space companies? Yes, you do. And they are kind of, if you look at the Robinhood model, which is, I think, low, no, no fee, mm-hmm. but... Robinhood kind of uses the, the the aggregate data of all its traders, and that's the product of Robinhood, which it finds other you know customers for. Yeah, um, that to me is a mix of you know speculation on one hand and active investment, um, which brings you know capital into the market and enables entrepreneurs to do great things. Um, for us, as we offer a space share and it's not tradable, it enables us just to have an inflow of capital right. from a wide variety of small investors. And they are, and they are growing in number. Um, but for us, we, we could n- never be um, a platform like Robin Hood because that's a different business model. So we just say, okay, well, we want to focus on building value, right. building other companies. Um, but Back to my other point. If you're a speculator, you know, you're a speculator and you'll, right. you'll find a path. For us, the kind of investors we attract, um, they pretty much understand that they're comfortable with our approach, which is to build a portfolio. We're talking with Simon Drake, president and CEO of Space Commodities Exchange and the founder of Space Ventures Investors on the Xterra podcast. Simon, we watched during the dot-com boom and bust Uh, IPOs for enormously overvalued companies where people, frankly, lost their shirts. Is that kind of unsupported exuberance visible in space companies today? Uh, It will be. Uh, Okay. and That's fair. (laughs) Yeah. 
Okay, the, the dot-com period was, um, okay, it was a spectacular bubble. Um, but the good thing about it was that spectacular as it was, it actually raised capital for infrastructure investment that paved the way for the digital revolution afterwards. Okay. So I can understand people losing their um, shirts um, and, and, and a lot more. Well, a lot of people made um, a lot of money too. Yeah, that, that's, that's, that's a good point too. Um, but when I, when I look at space and I look at history, there's always a speculative bubble and it's just kind of unavoidable. Mm-hmm. But I also think it's part of the cycle where you need that speculation to really excite people to take an interest. And what we, what we hear about is the, in particular bubbles, we hear about the, the, the peak lunacy. Right. But what happens way below at like, you know, the midpoint of a bubble is quite interesting because you have people now aware of a different sector who are not so uh, wound up in the bubble mania and they take a, when they invest, they take an interest in the sector and they study it and they do their own homework and they come to their own conclusions. So space speculation in the space sector is welcome, but from my point of view and that of my you know partners and in the network that I have, you know, no no one wants a spectacular bubble pop. Right. It'd be much easier if it was like a sober bubble. <laughs> You know that ev- that evened out, mm-hmm. and the good news is, I think the um, a, a, another asset class uh, has provided the drunken bubble. You know, right. which may maybe means that space will have this sober kind of speculation, and then you know recalibrate itself. So I think we're we're in a good position. But you can see a lot of parallels too between the the dot com cycle and what's happening in space now with technology. Um, really advancing at enormous rates and and you can see where a lot of people get very excited about it and then there are going to always be the charlatans on the on the fringes who are going to try and take advantage of that yeah well for space i i think that style and scale of speculation is yet to come okay because it's already prevalent in in certain other industries that are, are promising um certain technological marvels and the space sector to me is always like the, um, you know, lagging behind because it's just still, it's still so difficult to understand for a lot of investors. Mm-hmm. Okay. So for example, um, the greening of the economies and, and everything that entangles is such an easy narrative to follow. Mm-hmm. And from an investor point of view, you say, okay, well, does that mean I'm going to invest in, in wind farms or solar panels or um, you know uranium, you right? Know, like, as an investor, the narrative is easy to understand. With space, the narrative is quite simple. Like, oh, okay, we're, we're going to you know we're going to space. But when you go down into the actual verticals, are we are, we, are you saying okay, is, is this like low Earth orbit cubesats or geosynchronous um, communication satellites, mm-hmm. or are we going to start investing in space resources? You know? is, is so. It- Go ahead. Along this chain of technology, uh, some parts you can quite easily invest in. For example, you mm-hmm. can invest in you know companies that run you know the satellite fleets that we use right. for all our GPS, um, well, communications. Um, but you can't actually right now invest in a, a listed company that is 
digging up regolith on the surface of the moon and converting it to um, oxygen. And that's the subject for another podcast, which we'll get to. (laughs) (laughs) Simon, is investing in space companies different than investing in any other kind of business? And if, you know, why or why not? Uh, It is a like it or, or love it in terms of history as far as I can see, it's where we're at. So if you, if you're an investor and you have a portfolio and, you know, part of your portfolio is, is in, is in a property or, you know, cash or, you know, the safe things. And then you have some part left over and you say, all right, okay, I want to invest in exploration. Um, Or I want to invest in cutting edge infrastructure. So space is the destination for that because there is no other thing except maybe something, you know, on the um, fringe, like, you know, deep sea mining or something like that. Um, So as a category, it's just starting to wake up a lot, you know, wake up out of a slumber or actually find itself. Mm -hmm. And so this is a bit of an attraction to investors because now you can actually start investing in space companies. But the the question is because it's the business models are completely different and involve a lot of you know sophisticated technology. It's in an environment which is out to kill you. It's um, as a business environment, it's completely different. So everything needs to be weighed up. Is you know what is the heritage of the company? Who's the management? What are they trying to do? How many competitors are there? Um, it's actually quite interesting to get into as a field in itself. And even with the technology changing very quickly, sometimes the timelines are, are long. It's far more of a buy and hold than it is a quick flip. Exactly. It is um, a buy, observe and hold um, category. And the good thing that the the period is so long is that you can continually re-educate yourself along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, as technology changes, you can get your, your head around it. Um, that's different than, say, as a really absurd example is, you know, altcoins or cryptocurrencies where, you know, next week there might be a different cryptocurrency that, right. that does something different. And, you know, everyone piles into that, you know, on the flip of a dime. With space investing, it's different. You can you can map out trends and you can say, okay, well, what's real and what's going to you know make an impact and how do I get invested in that? And then find companies that are doing that, um, and then do your own homework of understanding. Okay, well, you know, why this company and not that one, or why this technology and that one. So the space commodities exchange is another kind of investment, but how is that different to invest in a commodity rather than a company? The concept of the Space Monitors Exchange is, as it says on the can, (laughs) is that um, in the near future, we want people to, at this stage, institutional buyers to be able to forward order propulsion to be used for, you know, satellite servicing or spacecraft. Mm -hmm. So the customer is the purchaser or even the seller um, of a commodity. Right, and as decades go by, that commodity might be sourced from the surface of the of the moon, or you know, in men, in a few generations' times, it might be sourced from you know asteroids, like water from asteroids. Right. So that that's the concept of a commodities exchange. Um, as for actually finding investors for the commodities exchange, we're working on that with a an, an equity a 
um, crowdfunding platform in the US. Mm -hmm. Is there a minimum size investment for um, SVI or is it based on a specific case? Uh, for Space Ventures investors, we try to keep it around, I think, the $1,000, $2,000 mark, mm -hmm. depending on your currency. Um, because if you have the more smaller investors you have, you know, the more paperwork and the more, you know, um, you have, it was the more paperwork you have to do to know who your customer is and follow all the um, anti-money laundering leg legislation and, and know your customer um, processes. So we try and put a, a cap on it, um, but still focus on getting um, to know who our investors are mm -hmm. because the last thing we would want as a company is to have investors on board that, that are kind of speculative. Right. You know, we, we, want, we want to know that they're really interested in space because for us, it's such a long haul of a journey for this particular company. Um, and the, the, the goal of Space Ventures Investors is to create value all along the way. So as an investor type, we prefer it if, you know, it's someone who understands that this is a long-term commitment. And, you know, and if they want to speculate, they can always open a, uh, a Robinhood account or, any, right. or they can go to any other online broker and, you know, have their fun over there. What is your in typical investment time frame? When you talk to a potential investor, what do you tell them when they might be able to expect to see a return? We try and keep a, a sober outlook and say, this is a five, seven time timeline mm -hmm. because that enables us to um, have an inflow of capital, allocate capital, invest in um, startups that fit into our businesses, our other businesses as well. So we, we've become like a portfolio company, mm -hmm. but we're not a fund. And that enables us to start putting the pieces together to build a space company that is, uh, designs itself as it gets to its destination. And so we have a good idea of what that destination is. And we outline this in our concept of a, of a strategic space value chain where we want to be involved in the bridge between the earth and the moon mm -hmm. in terms of, you know, all things space commerce. Right. So, and we know that it takes time to build that out and to say that, you know, we can successfully invest in a space startup and expect an exit um, in, a, in a precise time period is a bit, is misleading. Uh, but I know other companies like a, um, like a, like a fund in the US, they might work on a seven year, year horizon. So they have to raise capital, invest it. Right. And then in seven years, they want it, they want to have an exit. Um, although I understand that is, you know, necessary for, for their operational purposes. For us, we don't want that. We wanted to have the, the freedom and flexibility to choose our exits carefully and not, and not rush things. What about companies? What do you look for in companies that you might want to invest in? Um, at the smaller startup level, we look for companies that where their skill sets can enhance our value okay. and vice versa. So as we're not a fund and we don't want to be a fund, we, we want to be involved with our companies and, and grow with them and build with them. Uh, on the other side, we do believe in taking some small positions in larger companies, uh, as an example, uh, orbital assembly who are really you know pushing a very grand concept 
of you know what whatever you call it a space hotel or right. having large enough structures to have have gravity and and that is a to me a a grand plan but it's it's part of a solution that is definitely required in in order for humanity to fulfill its its goal of you know going from earth to off world right in in a meaningful commercial manner not just you know doing it for the science or or strictly the tourism and finally are you accepting new investors and who are you looking for uh, we are accepting new uh, investors when we do another capital raising, and we usually look for people who have mentally made that decision that they that they want to be part of space, but they might not have the time to research every company, or they might have already invested in something, but they want something different. Where they're looking for someone like us to focus on our our business model and build the company. Um, it's mm-hmm. more of a long term commitment. Is there a, an application process? Uh, how do how do people get involved? Uh, usually, they visit our website and um, express their interest to invest, mm-hmm. um, and then we take it from there. We work out when our next capital raising window is, and then we screen them, um, and we do, go through the, the usual procedure of you know supplying as much information as possible about who we are, what we do, what we've done, uh, where we're going, and and you know what we're doing in the future. Simon, we're out of time for this podcast. Thanks for joining us again on the Xterra podcast. Thanks. It's been a pleasure and uh, all the best. We do have one more conversation planned with Simon, and that will be about the Lunar Resources Registry. And I hope you join us then. But that is going to do it for this edition of the Xterra podcast. Find us on the web at xterrajsc.com and be sure to connect with us on LinkedIn and follow us on Twitter at Xterrajsc. Until next time, I'm Tom Patton. Thanks for listening.